Chapter 2 of The New Adventures of Alice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The New Adventures of Alice by John Ray. Chapter 2 To Bunbury Cross, or along came a snipe. It was a sleepy, springtime Sunday afternoon. Alice was lying on the grass near the garden house, reading Mother Goose rhymes to her kittens, who were tumbling about near her in the slanting yellow sunshine. She often pretended the kittens were small children. Just now she was reading Ding Dong Bell, Pussies in the Well. I'm sure you'll like this one, and it may prove a warning to you, she said. Her sister was sitting on the garden house step, making a pretty little sketch of a blossoming hawthorn tree which stood in the corner of the hedge at the foot of the garden over the hedge they could see the church spire across the river somewhere far off a bell was ringing its sweetly sleepy sound mingled with the scent of blossoms and the droning of alice's voice very harmoniously she had just come to the line what a naughty boy was that when she noticed a bird with a straw in its beak alighting on the hedge nearby alice stopped reading to watch him for she always liked to find out where the nests were being built the bird was very sprightly little fellow cocking his head from side to side and looking directly at alice with remarkably intelligent bright eyes why thought alice he looks as if he were actually going to speak and sure enough he did "'Wonderful view from here,' said the bird casually, in a rather muffled voice. Alice now saw it was a snipe, much larger than she had first supposed, and instead of a straw he held in his beak a long clay pipe from which a thin wisp of bluish smoke was curling, and which probably caused the indistinct muffling voice. The hedge, too, seemed to be changing strangely. It was growing higher and higher, and soon she saw it was a hedge no longer but a grove of tall oaks and the muffled voice of the snipe now sounded very far away indeed i've something important to ask you do you she thought she heard him say and then she could not catch any more though he was still to be seen on the topmost branch of the tree nearest her now alice was a very polite little girl and it seemed to her that the only right thing for her to do was to climb the tree and find out what it was that the snipe wished to know so she was very pleased to see a narrow spiral stairway which she had certainly not noticed before winding up around the trunk she placed her foot upon the lowest step and grasped the rail and was greatly surprised to find that the railing seemed to be moving spirally upward pulling her along at first slowly and gently but getting faster and faster so that by the time she was halfway up the tree her feet were no longer touching the steps at all somehow though the sensation was rather pleasant and she felt no alarm she even kept calm enough to notice that as the trunk apparently slid down past her little bird faces appeared to open curtain windows here and there and one old lady blackbird in a blue sunbonnet called out as alice shot past hoity toity my dear child there's really no such hurry you know faster and faster she went so that when the tree top was reached she could not seem to stop but went right on up into the air quite a ways and then gently floated down her skirt spreading out like a parachute and supporting her and finally alighted on the topmost branch right beside the snipe talking to the snipe was a curious little fellow with a big round shiny face and very slender little legs and arms 
In one hand he carried a covered basket, in the other a big blue handkerchief, decorated with little white stars. In his belt was a great cheese knife. His round face was shining with perspiration, and from time to time he mopped it with the blue handkerchief. He looks as though he'd come a long way, thought Alice, as she settled herself on the swaying branch and smoothed out her skirt. The snipe was saying thoughtfully, puffing hard on his pipe, Norwich, Norwich, now let me see, I should know. And that's a fact, perhaps she can tell you, he exclaimed, brightening. The man in the moon, for of course Alice knew now that it must be he, turned respectfully towards her. Your pardon, miss, but could you perhaps tell me how I could get to Norwich? I'm anxious to get there by nightfall, that I am, miss. He speaks exactly like the nice old farmer who comes around to sell us cheese, thought Alice. And that's exactly what he does, put in the snipe, just as if she had said it aloud. Of course you know, he continued, the moon's made of green cheese, and, pointing to the man in the moon, he peddles it. Give her a sample. Certainly, miss, to be sure, beamed the man in the moon. No obligation to buy either, miss. He opened his basket, and taking from his knife from his belt, cut off a thin slice of the most beautiful and curious cheese that Alice had ever seen. It was a soft and glowed with a greenish-silver light, and when she bit into it, it was like eating marshmallows dipped in moonlight, she said afterwards. Alice was just about to take a second bite when she remembered that the man had a curious question had not been answered, and she started to direct him as well as she could, but somehow her geography lessons in some directions she had heard the gardener give a wagon driver the day before became hopelessly mixed in her mind, and she found herself saying, Norwich is a town of 7,000 inhabitants in the northeastern part of Norfolk on the River Year. You take the road to the right as far as the Earl Bridge and follow the river to the old Exton Mill, settled in the year 1340. Turn to the left and the principal exports are. She stopped, realizing how absurdly she was talking and intending to say, No, that's not at all what I meant. But the jolly little man had already started. He was not flying, but stepping briskly along on nothing at all, swinging his basket and out could just hear him anxiously repeating part of her ridiculous directions to old Exton Mill, settled in 1340. She called after him, but he evidently did not hear, for he kept straight ahead and soon disappeared behind a great flock of blackbirds. The snipe shook his head sadly and blew tremendous puffs of whirling smoke from his pipe in silence for a while, but finally he sighed, poor fellow, poor fellow, but I dare say he'll happen on the finger post and then he can get to Babylon anyhow, that is, of course, if he has a candle about him. What good would that do him? asked Alice anxiously, for she was quite worried about the man in the moon. She naturally felt responsible and guilty. Of course, she hadn't really meant to give him those absurd directions. I don't believe I even got the population right, she said to herself helplessly. Why, silly, you can always get to Babylon by candlelight, replied the snipe severely, and you ought to know it. Great view, he added absently, as if to change the subject. Now for the first time, Alice looked down. How changed everything was. The gravel garden path had become a dusty road winding under the oaks, and in place of her sister there was a strange little man in very baggy clothes and a flowing necktie so long that the ends hung down almost to the ground. He was busily sketching just as her sister had been. Alice, although she was ever so high up in the treetops, could somehow or other see just what he was drawing on his little pad. This was what she saw. Why, it's the old lady, with rings on her fingers and bells on her toes, just like the picture in my mother goose, she exclaimed delightedly. Yes, he drew us all, drat him, murmured the snipe crossly. He made one of my wings shorter than the other two. When the artist's picture was finished, it seemed immediately to grow to natural size and come to life. 
By this time, Alice was quite used to unusual happenings, and about the only thing she could have started her very much was have been for something to look just everyday-ish or act in a perfectly normal manner. She was not at all surprised, therefore, to see the white hobby horse starting off down the road with a rocking sort of gait, the old lady in her familiar spotted dress and strange bonnet jouncing up and down on his back and in a cloud of dust. Alice could just catch the faint jingling of the bells on her toes. This must be the road to Banbury Cross, then, said Alice half aloud. Bunbury Cross, corrected the snipe kindly. No fault of yours, my child. The painter ran out of yews, that's all. You see, it's where they make the hot cross berry buns. You'd never say hot cross bands. No, certainly not. In the first place, it would never rhyme with suns. And in the second place, but no matter. What do you think of the view? And pointing to the artist with his pipe, he drew it all, all the houses and trees and the hills, just as he had to draw all of us, birds and animals and people. Now Alice knew why it was that the landscape looked strangely familiar. It, too, was like the pictures in her mother Goose, but also quite a little like Wonderland, the strange-looking glass country that she had once dreamt about. Isn't it hilly? Alice began. And what's that? Of course, it has to be hilly, interrupted the snipe impatiently. There's got to be Jack and Jill's Hill, and Blackbeard's Hill, and the hill the old woman lived under, and Pippin Hill, and all the rest of the hills. Now, ever since Alice had reached the treetop, a faraway bell had been ringing, just as one had rung before she left the garden, and her sister, and the kittens. And dear, dear, how long ago that did seem. Alice wondered idly what the bell could be. It's a bellman over at Bunbury Cross, I'm pretty sure, said the snipe, who always seemed good at guessing just what one was going to say probably somebody stolen something or other, and the king has offered a reward for the capture of the thief. There's lots of thieves among them. Tom, the piper's son, who stole the pig, and dozens more. Why, even one of their kings, years ago, stole some barley meal for a bag pudding. What a bad example, exclaimed Alice. Let's go and see what the row's about, suggested the snipe. I've got to return this pipe anyway. Of course, that pipe business was just a practical joke. I hope you don't think I was a thief. He looked anxiously at Alice then added more brightly. Bombay is the next village beyond, and the old man's a great friend of King Colt's. In fact, he's Prime Minister. Let's start. Ever fly? Before Alice realized what was happening, the snipe had given her a gentle push, and she found herself awkwardly floundering about in the air. Not exactly frightened, but a bit cross that the snipe should have given her no warning. Well, I don't think that was very nice, and I did so want to see what the artist was going to draw next, said she. It's the only way to ever learn to fly or swim, said the snipe amiably but decidedly try it more this way that's better and then as if to put her in a better humour he began to sing as well as possible with the pipe still in his mouth you never know what you can do till you try a girl like a bird may be able to fly a bird like a fly may be able to buzz things stranger have happened and every day does i've heard many times i have proofs if you wish a deaf and dumb oyster can sing like a fish but fish can't sing interrupted alice who by this time was managing to fly fairly well, and was going remarkably fast. She had to keep a little ahead of the snipe, as the smoke trailing from the pipe was very choking and blinding. "'What's their scales for, then, I'd like to know?' snapped the snipe. And after a moment he added, triumphantly, "'Some of them fly anyhow, but don't interrupt again, or we'll never get there.' Alice couldn't see just what the song had to do with getting them there, but said nothing, and the bird continued." why how let me ask you my dear do you suppose i learned to smoke pipes and to eat with my nose 
there is one thing however that cannot be done with all of your trying that's this have a bun the strangest thing had happened they were bumping into a flock of buns as the snipe expressed it the air was full of hot cross buns which seemed to be floating up from an open window of a house on the outskirts of the village far below them that's the baker's shop and there's the butcher's and there's the candlestick makers said the snipe alice saw that they were now right over a little village she had been too busy listening to the snipe to realize how fast they had approached it drop em a penny drop em a penny called the snipe and then in his effort to snatch one of the floating buns with his beak lost the pipe which fell through the air leaving behind it a trail of blue smoke now i'm in a pretty pickle and no mistake he mumbled in a scared voice i didn't mean to keep the old pipe it was just a joke but here we are cried alice between bites she had caught two of the buns which were still very warm and wonderfully light perhaps that's why they float away she thought yes here we are and sure enough they were hovering directly over the village green where a maypole stood decked out with streamers and flowers ready for the dance it was just like one alice had seen a few days ago before on their village green at home then she saw that the bell whose ding-donging had been growing louder and louder as they had approached the village was being rung by the bellman or town crier who stopped his ringing now and then to bawl out has any one seen master thomas b green be he dead or alive the reward is two and five let's stop here said alice clutching at the maypole to stop her flight you see she had never practised alighting gracefully she swung round and round and round and round petals from the blossom wreaths were shaken off and floated down all about her when she softly struck the ground after her long spiral descent no one seemed to have noticed her for the bellman was the centre of attention all the strange townsfolk and animals were crowding about him listening to his bawling or listening together in excited groups when she looked about her for the snipe he was nowhere to be seen but finally she spied him perched on the very top of the maypole he seemed agitated and was whispering something hoarsely to her but she could only make out the words don't dare to come down and they'll put me in jail and i'll see you in some time again then he flapped heavily away and alice suddenly felt very lonesome and just a little scared End of chapter two